All right. Thanks for listening to the My Age podcast, a, com- a podcast that brings you conversations with people from all walks of life using music to plot them up from their early years to how they got to where they are now. Uh, apologies for the delay in getting the last and getting two episodes out this month. Um, this month I fought off a case of shingles, and just as I got better, I broke my big toe rolling in jiu-jitsu, so that was mad. Um, so the plan is next month to have three episodes out, uh, two on the normal days, so basically the second and the last Friday of each month, of the month. Um, and then I'll just yellow one out there when you least expect it. You'll just wake up one morning and be like, oh damn, there's a podcast, a My Age podcast podcast, so... You know, hope you, hopefully you like that. Uh, just one bit of house cleaning. Um, housekeeping? Housekeeping. Um, I have to clarify. I said in the episode, I think right at the start, it's episode 23. It's actually episode 22. Um, episode 22 and I were like uh, two ships crossing in the night. We kind of we kind of kept missing each other and it was, you know... They had things and I had things and it just was, yeah, whatever. And so this was meant to come out episode 23. Anyhow, it's episode 22, whatever. This is an awesome episode. Episode The next episode will be awesome as well. Um, speaking of awesome, thanks to the following people who were above and, who went above and beyond uh, donating to the cause. Uh, Elisa Fisher, Luke McComb, I think I mentioned last time, but, you know, double shout out, what's up? Um, Samuel Harwood, Harwood and Rob Walsh, um, you're all beautiful people, I mean you're all beautiful people anyhow, but those particular four are also beautiful people, and beautiful people who, you know, get their name enshrined forever, I guess, until the robots take over, um, it's always appreciated, again, never expected, um, now you might be asking what the cause actually is. So basically, I stole the idea from Dan Carlin, who does a podcast called Hardcore History and a podcast called Common Sense. Um, where basically, if you think the show is worth a dollar, then go to PayPal.me/slash/MyAgePodcast and donate. Uh, donate a dollar or whatever you think the episode's worth. Um, you don't have to. It's definitely not compulsory. And as I said before, it's always appreciated, but it's never expected. Um, but basically it keeps me, it helps me to keep the website up and get the podcast access to the iTunes app because in all honesty, it's probably where about 75% of people who listen to this podcast listen to it via. So, you know, check out the episode. If you dig it, if you like the idea, if you like what you hear, paypal.me slash myagepodcast, chuck us a buck or whatever you feel in, in, uh, inspired to donate again it's um never expected but always appreciated um pardon me i'll cut that bit out so today's podcast patty larson you may not have heard of her before well actually you may not have heard of her before unless this is probably your first time listening to the podcast then you've definitely heard of her before um because i've got a feeling there's going to be a whole bunch of new people listening to this just to hear patty and her story um, she's basically half the fantastic duo that forms the Just the Worst podcast. Uh, you know, when you're at home, basically, remember when you were at home watching Agro's Cartoon Connection or Cheese TV or whatever? She was sneaking to watch some of the most influential punk rock bands in Southern California, uh, which we definitely talk about because that's my wheelhouse. 
as much as I hate that term. Um, she's got a fantastic story, and you can listen to her and her partner in crime, Valentina, on the Just the Worst podcast every week. Um, just search for it with whatever podcast app you use. And I think they just got on Spotify, which makes things very easy as well. Uh, but obviously, I'll post a link um, on my Facebook and all that kind of jazz, and you can follow them on Twitter. I don't think they use Twitter much, but Twitter and Instagram and all those social medias as well. Um, also, before the episode, um, I've I'm after talking to Fox Mike Foxall, sorry, last month on the podcast, I decided I'm going to have a really red hot crack at um, trying to find new music. Um, I'm on a new, new music kick at the moment. Um, and try, basically trying to dig deep and find new music. Now, when I say new, I mean like actual new, like 2018 um, music that's, you know, is being released at the moment, obviously released in 2018 because I've been very lazy in the last few years um, and just kind of only listened to what falls in my lap. And I think the catalyst for this was when the High Fives podcast did their top five of 2018 so far, like their mid-year episode, there was basically one album that I could think of off the top of my head where I was like, yeah, like that was my favourite album of the year and it was the Mad Caddies um, Punk Rock Steady, which was fucking cheating because it's basically, it's a covers album of mid-90s, well, you know, of Epifat Band's every fat punk rock band's done as a scar as scar and reggae and that kind of thing which is you know if that's the best music i can find that's pretty fucking disappointing on my behalf so um just as i decided to kind of get on the get on this kick a wild link appeared in my facebook feed from a new band a new sydney band actually called idle threat now i'm going to read the idle threat um bio because they're going to explain themselves better than i ever could uh, Idle Threat have completed their first full-length album entitled Ropeburn, uh, soon to be self-released on vinyl featuring 11 tracks of blistering, fast, riffed-up punk rock in the vein of a Willem Scream, Comeback Kid and Only Crime. Uh, picture a blend of Epifat Years, Megadeth's Countdown to Extinction and the human embodiment of frustration at, a state of our, at the state of our dying city, which is Sydney for those who don't know which I think I've mentioned before. Anyhow, uh, Ropeburn will be released late August, early September, with a limited colour vinyl pressing, uh, limited to 150. The artwork looks fucking fantastic. The record looks fucking fantastic. Um, and I was lucky enough to... Like, you can check the two songs out on Spotify at the moment, but I was lucky enough to get a unreleased song that will obviously appear on the album, but hasn't kind of come out anywhere as yet. Um... And I'm going to play it before the, well, as soon as I finish talking, before Paddy's episode. Um, it's an IRL rager. It's called Visibly Hanoid. So basically, bang your head and point your finger and stage dive off your couch or whatever. Um, I'll post the links, but if you dig it, go to facebook.com slash idle, all one word, idle threat SYD uh, to find out how you can pre order the LP. So, cheers. Paddy Larson, Idle Threat, what's up?
All right, My Age Podcast, uh, episode 23. And today, as you would have seen by the, the I guess, the little thing on the podcast app of choice, we've got Patty Larson, who, if you haven't heard of her before, she is half of the fantastic duo that uh, does the Just the Worst podcast. Patty Larson, what's going on? Oh, gosh, I'm just glad to be here. And this is uh, this is really fun. This is, I think, the first... No, I, I I guessed it on Sofa King before, but this is this is the first interview I've ever done like this. So this is this is cool. Awesome, They're fantastic. Yeah. So so Patty, where are you at the moment? Right now, I'm in Northern California. I live in the Bay Area in San Jose. Cool. Yeah. Awesome, fantastic. So it's just as a reference, it's about I don't know what it. It's probably about forty degrees Fahrenheit here, and there's frost on the frost on the grass, and it's fucking cold. And what's it like up there? It's about 85 and sunny, and everybody yeah. in my building's out at the pool. Good. So it's party <laughs> times. Yes. Northern Hemisphere full effect. Except for we don't get to take, you know, like in Europe, they seem to take a lot of vacation time. I don't know what it's like in Australia, but here we don't get very much. So How many weeks do you guys get? Um, my last job we got, I had – Four, I think, but I worked into four. No, yeah, I worked into four. A lot of times people just get two. My yeah. company now doesn't have a vacation policy. Okay. So you can take time as you need it. Um, do you still get paid? Yeah. Yeah, you still get paid. But the, the thing is, is they do that um, to try to make it sound like, or to try to make it so you can take, yeah, so you can take as much vacation as you want, but you just still have to get all your work done. So it doesn't. <laughs> It's not like you could just take off and yeah, take off a couple a of weeks. Yeah, yeah, we get. Pardon me, we get four a year by default. Any full time oh. work, it's four weeks a year. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Anyhow, let's um back on back on track. Um, <laughs> you've uh, as we spoke before I hit record. You've heard a couple of episodes, so I guess you get how it all works. Uh-huh. Um, where do it all start? Tell us about your early years and your parents and that kind of thing. Oh man, this was the hardest part because I was like, it seemed to me listening to the other episodes that everybody had such clarity and good memories about being a kid. And, um, and I don't, except for like, like snippets, other like traveling on vacation with my family. I have a big family. So I have six brothers and sisters Oh, wow. And my parents used to take us in this van on vacation all the time. So I had like have these very clear memories of going to Lake Tahoe because that's the only place we ever went. And uh and staying up at the lake. And I went to I went to Catholic school. Um, so a lot of stuff around church and things like that. Like we were a pretty religious family. And uh yeah, it's weird. Like I don't I don't have like real clear, like, oh, this is what it was like, you know, on a daily whatever basis. It's it's just kind of a blur, no, a lot of it. So, yeah. So what did you what did your parents do? My dad is an attorney. Was an Always attorney. Was. Uh, and my mom was a stay at home mom. Okay. And yeah. you were living whereabouts? Uh, Southern California. I grew up in L.A. County, okay. um, in a place called La Cunada, which we lived there until I was about ten, and then which we moved is, to Orange. Whereabouts County. is that in the in L.A. County? It's out in the hills. It's out by Pasadena. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know where that is? I, I, yeah, I got a um, I got a real life figurine made of myself out near Pasadena. As oh, did you? Ones. Yeah. <laughs> when I was out there in 2016, yeah. It's very Valley Girl type area. Yeah. 
And no, that's not, so. <clears throat> you're you. Where in the timeline do you fit of kids? Like you, you're one of. Are you one of six, or you're? You've got. Six I'm the seventh, so I'm the youngest. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Which I think really colored my childhood because it was almost like I had six layers of of um like somebody watching over me before it even reached parental level, you know? Yeah. So my parents weren't really around that much. It didn't seem like it was more like my older brothers and sisters. And then yeah, my parents on. would show up every now and then, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And how, how much older are they? Like, is there a big stretch or? Uh, not really. So my oldest sister is 12 years older than me. So my mom had seven kids in 12 years. Is that a, um, was that a religious kind of thing? Like, I think, yeah, like I think so. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. said you were, you were we're Catholic. Catholic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. They, that kind of, crazy. Uh, so were your parents, <clears throat> were your parents musical or? No. Um, no, they didn't. My parents are, this is going to sound terrible. My mom is awesome, <laughs> but my parents were like super nerdy. Okay. You know, like <laughs> very straight laced. Even looking very... back on it now, like you, you look back on it now being an adult and think, yeah, they were really nerdy. Oh yeah. They were nerdy. Yeah. yeah, they were, except for they loved to party. Like, they had these big parties all the time. Yeah. Um, they loved to drink and have friends over and, like, and that kind of thing. But they were pretty pretty straight-laced, very uh, proper people. So they didn't play any instruments. And I don't even think, like, um, like they weren't into music other than, like, there was a couple of bands – that I remember, and mo- I think that's why the the van trip is so clear in my mind because we would listen to um, Neil Diamond and Simon yeah. and Garfunkel and Billy Joel, and those are the three things I can remember. That, and I think it was more my mom than my dad. Yeah, but okay. just loved listening to. Yeah, no, that's unreal. <clears throat> was there a particular was there a particular thing that you kind of stuck with music was like? Did you was there a song that stands out for you? on those trips or from that's someone would constantly play? Oh, well, the one that always that always sticks in my head is Kentucky Woman by Neil Diamond because we, me and my sister made up a little dance about it. So we would, you know, be in the car dancing and clapping our hands and everything. So you're lucky this is a, a, a um, oral medium so we don't have to show people <laughs> the dance. My little dance? Yeah, I'd start yeah. clapping my hands. Yeah. It was so, pretty but great. If, but if I did a Patreon, best believe – that behind the paywall, people would be seeing a video of this reading. <laughs> cool. Perfect. So what was the song called? Kentucky Woman? Kentucky Woman, yeah. By Neil Diamond. Yeah. yeah. Have you never heard it? No, not like – I my Neil Diamond's um, – what's the word? My depth of knowledge of Neil Diamond basically starts and finishes with uh, – what was that Jack Black movie where they were a Neil Diamond tribute oh. band? Oh, um, oh, is it Super Diamond? No, no. Okay. Oh, was the band you went, Was the band no. called Super Diamond? I feel um, like they were called a Diamond in the Rough, oh. but I could be making. Um, <laughs> uh, what was the movie called? I don't know. Saving Silverman. Oh, I don't think I saw it. Or no, Evil Woman. I think it was called both. Actually, it was in some places it was called Evil Woman, and some countries it was called Saving Silverman. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I never saw it. But that was like, I grew up, I mean, this tells you how, when I grew up, I grew up in the 70s. Yep. So it was, yeah, my mom was all about Neil, Neil Diamond and Kentucky Woman is the one that I really remember. Yeah. 
Kentucky woman She shine with her own kind of light She look at you once in a day If it's all wrong, looks all right And I love her God knows I love her Kentucky woman Let's turn it to drop of her name Something inside that she's got Turns you on just the same And she loves me God knows she loves me Kentucky woman She gets to know you She got to own you Kentucky woman I don't want much Lords have been beneath my feet, gentle touch from that one girl, and life is sweet and good. Ain't no doubt, I'm talking about Kentucky woman. She gets to know you, she got to own you, Kentucky woman. Um, it's very, it's a lot. Of, I don't know what I was expecting, but it's a lot lower key. Is it an earlier stage of um, Neil Diamond, or you? Uh, I'm not really sure. It, it wasn't like yeah, he wasn't super discoy at the time. I don't think. Yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of <laughs> like I didn't want to go there because again, my depth of knowledge isn't that deep. But um, yeah, have the bombacity that I was maybe kind of expecting. It was a, a lot more laid back. Yeah, and that's and that's what I mostly remember from that album, probably with like "Sweet Caroline" and "Forever in Blue Jeans" and those songs, and an eight-hour drive up to Tahoe. <laughs> so, Tahoe, like, talk me through that because I always hear about people like I'm talking to someone who lives there, and it's obviously it's a big holiday destination. But what is it about rivers? This is going to sound. This is a really dumb, naive question. But what is it about rivers that and like lakes that draws Americans there? Because like from a from an Australian point of view, you like a lot of I guess a American pop culture trope in a movie is kids go like all families go into the river or the lake or whatever. Like, is it that's is is it because everything's really is it because a lot of the suburbs uh, sorry suburbs is it because a lot of the states are landlocked so the beach isn't even an option. It probably is, though. I've always lived in California, so I've always lived on the coast. Yeah. Um, there's just something about fresh water, and I think Lake Tahoe is one of the deepest lakes. I think that's its claim to fame. And it's just yeah, beautiful up there. And, and I don't know. That's a really good point, though. Now that you say that, it is. We yeah, always go on vacation to a lake. 
that's, it just seems like you know, like every time I can think of a bunch of movies, and their and their destination is a lake. It's not like and it's it's odd for us. Well, I mean, I'm sure Australians do go to lakes of sorts, yeah, to get away from it all. But we live like we as Australian population live so close to the ocean. Like most of us live within. 30 miles 35 miles of the ocean like a huge percentage of us live around the port like the the ocean side yeah and so it's the beach is the the go-to destination for us even though it's kind of so close in here so yeah i just i don't know i don't know why i thought i'd ask that i just it's always intrigued me it is you know and there i mean it's a little different in that like the fresh water i think it's easy like for doing like water skiing and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's yep. probably easier. I loved it as a kid when I was learning to water ski. Cause I was terrified of sharks cause I saw jaws. Yeah, so I certainly didn't want to water ski in the ocean, but that was terrifying. So learning how to do it in a lake was great. So there's no, no I mean, obviously there's no sharks in, in freshwater <laughs> oceans, but there's, it's just small fish and that's about it. Like yeah, I think there's like trout and stuff like that in there, but there's, yeah, yeah there's not much, there's nothing bigger. Creepy in there. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so, <clears throat> were many of your brothers and sisters musical then? If your parents kind of weren't that into it, did any of your they, brothers and sisters play instruments? Or they, they, my brother played guitar. That was the one. Um, yeah. So I have one brother who Sorry. plays guitar. How many brothers and sisters do you have? Oh, you, I know you've got six. I have two brothers and four sisters. Fantastic. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So just the one. He's the only one that played an instrument. They all listen to music. Um, I have a sister who's a dancer, so she does, a, I mean, she, she's totally engrossed in music all the time. She just, her expression of it is dancing. Yep. Uh, yeah. So no, they, nobody ever did. I always wanted to learn an instrument, but I was too preoccupied by other things to do that. Okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> but they, they did. And they influenced my, my musical, you know, um, interests. Yeah, when yeah. I was young, like I had a, you know, we listened to a lot of, and again, this is the seventies, like super tramp and Elton John. And they were always getting in trouble for listening to music that had bad words in it. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> were your parents strict with that kind of thing? Like, were they paying attention to what music you listened to and what, what culture you were taking in? They, they did when, when, uh, when I was little, like, I almost feel like I got raised by different parents than my brothers and sisters did. Yeah. Uh, because they really were when, when I was little and when my older brothers and sisters were teenagers, um, like there was this Catholic newspaper and it would put out a list of condemned, I think they called it condemned movies (laughs) or something like that. And so there'd be all the list of movies that were bad. So we weren't allowed to see those. So we were only allowed to see movies that like the Catholic church said was okay. And Can you remember any of them any uh, of the movies? that were damned or that we got to see? No, that were damned. Yeah. Oh, pr- probably most of them. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, I do remember seeing star Wars and I remember seeing, list? I don't think it was on the list. I think it was okay. okay Cause I think there was something like God is powerful. Some sort of message like that probably okay. in there. Yep, um, and Xanadu <laughs> we were allowed to see. Fantastic. <laughs> Which did that inspire Oddly. your sister's dancing? Or she I was already dancing before she saw that. She, I don't know what inspired her actually. It's just kind of, she started when she was 13 and she did it until she turned 18 and then she moved to New York and she never looked back and she's done it professionally for 30 years. So, wow. She, yeah, she just 
fell into it and loved it and and never thought about doing anything else again. And has made a full career out of it. Yeah, she's actually she travels internationally. She's a pretty well known choreographer. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty so cool. Around the house, was there like what was there like? I guess it's in an, at a time when port like there was obviously no portable music devices like head like tape decks or anything like that. But like, was there one central stereo that you guys all had to share, or did you all kind of? Or did your brothers and sisters all kind of start getting their own little home stereos in their rooms? Or what was the story of music around the house? There was was a big, like one of those giant um, pieces of furniture, record player in the living room. Okay. And so we could all share that. And then my dad had, so he must have listened to music. He just listened to it in his office. He had a record player in his office. And that's where my sisters, like my, my sister used to take us to listen to like the clandestine music. She would lock us in his office and we would listen to super tramp and stuff. That's yeah. <laughs> Queen and David Bowie. Um, so I got to listen to a lot of that from, from my older brothers and sisters. And then my brothers probably had one in their room, but I don't know. Cause I don't think I was allowed in there very much. For some reason I envisioned everyone had their separate rooms, but obviously that's not going to be the case with seven. Yeah. Kids. No, most of us shared. My oldest sister had her own room and the rest of us shared. Yeah, like that makes two sense. to a room. Yeah. Yeah. So was there a uh, – was there like – I mean, I've spoken to you on and off – well, I've spoken to you for the last 18 months, two years or so. Would that be about right that we've kind of ah, been conversing? Yeah, well, probably actually more like a year, I think. But, yeah, yeah and then there. Yeah. yeah, it's been a while. But um, like obviously you're – you've got – like I think – I think, and I think people will agree that you've got a really, you've got some really cool musical stories up your sleeve, but um, was there something that kind of was a pivotal point in with music? Like that made you go, Oh, this is, you know, this is actually a thing. This is more than just a TV commercial or a jingle or whatever. Yeah. Well, my mom used to put records on for us. So again, at some point we did get a record player in our room because she used to put records on for us when, yeah, we were going to bed and a lot of times she would play like it would be stories like you'd have like a record like Peter Pan on okay. on, yeah, on yeah. a record but you could only listen to half of it because then that record would drop and another one would drop okay oh yeah of course That's <laughs> one. Yeah, yeah. yeah and um and so th- she mixed in there I don't know if you've ever heard of this but there was a band called the Royal Guardsmen and they had this album called Snoopy versus the Red Baron and so we used to listen to that all the time. And I think that's where I first got like, oh, you could listen to music and it's just, and just enjoy it, you know? Yeah. And just for the sake of not, it's just not back or for in the car or whatever. It's not to just, it's actually something of its own. Yeah. So was this, was this the pivotal, was Snoopy versus the Red Baron? No, sorry. No, that's it. Snoopy versus yeah. the Red Baron. The Royal yeah. Guardsman. <laughs> It's it's a that's a tale of a fictional. Is it a fictional or is it actual? I think the Red Baron was actually a real World War Two German fighter pilot. Fighter was pilot. It? I think he was. Yeah. 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 Um, but I did. Yeah, I just liked it because it was Snoopy. I mean, I was seven or eight. Was it was <laughs> it comical? Was like I I I can't picture the song, but I've heard. I listened to a podcast recently where they talked about it, and it went in in one ear and out the other. But was it it's, like fictional or what was it about? It's it's sort of no, it's not really fictional. I think it's sort of historical, but it's very like fifties kind of, uh, or I guess it's probably sixties. Like you know, the guys just playing their guitars pretty 
mellow and bobbing their heads and just almost yeah. almost telling a story, almost talking through it a little bit. Okay. You know? Um, so it's very but I love that. Yeah, 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 for sure. It was pretty, you know, supposed to be putting us to sleep. But then the first song that I ever fell in love with and was like, you're going to laugh at this. The first Go song I was ever like, I've got to, I've got to buy this. Like I'm going to spend money on this yeah. single was Toto Africa. Oh, God damn. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yes. <laughs> and my brothers and sisters made so much fun of me. Cause they were like, you are so lame. <laughs> I was like, no, this is amazing. Were they listening to that? And like, was that there? Were they listening to that and see, thinking this isn't real music or, this is like, was it a nerdier kind of thing to listen to? Or? Yeah, totally. They thought okay. it was just so amazing because they were listening to like Aerosmith and ACDC and right, David Bowie. Is. And I was like, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I like Toto. Toto. Yeah. <laughs> so that That's was the incredible. first single I ever bought. And I loved that song. Like it made me all emotional and I just, oh, it was great. That's fantastic. And then for yeah. some reason it's had this big revival. No. Revival. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so now I don't feel so bad about like oh, like Getting I was a real it. geek when I was a little kid because yeah, clearly I was just way ahead of my time. <laughs> oh, hey, I completely agree. So, did you want to go with Toto, or did you want to go with um, the Red Baron versus Snoopy versus the Red Baron? Oh, Toto for sure, because that's the first thing I ever bought.
So where did you move once you left that, that suburb? We moved to Newport Beach in Orange ah, County. Ah, right. Yeah. And that's when all the hell broke loose. Okay. So what, what <laughs> why the move? Did your dad change jobs or? He, he opened a new office in Orange County. So they had this office in LA and they opened a new one in Orange County. And he had been wanting to move to the beach forever. Yep. Um, he took us to the beach every chance he could. He loved the ocean. Yep. Um, so as soon as he got the chance to do it, he moved us. And th- at that time, then it was just me and my one older sister, the one oh, everyone next else above me. On. Everyone else had moved out. Yeah. Yep. Fair enough. So it was just so the two of us. What beach were you going to before? Just just for my pure fascination, what beach were you going to before you moved out out of Pasadena? Santa Monica. Okay. Right. 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 Yeah. Was that yeah. was that still a fair hike? Like. Well, the ten, the ten freeway is like notoriously terrible, terrible traffic. So it, I don't even know how many miles it was, but it could take a long time to get there. Yeah, I Um, imagine. I think we would normally go pretty early, like we'd go after church. It's probably an hour drive or so without traffic, and then my dad. So I was super spoiled as a kid. I know that comes up on my podcast all the time. My my frame of reference is kind of silly. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. So my dad belonged to this club, like it was like a a business club in LA, but they had a beach club as well. So I grew up going to the beach at this beach club where they had like showers and food and you just gave them a card and they'd give you a fresh towel and like just waited on hand and foot. And so when we moved to Newport, I was like, Oh wow. Like it's like just a beach. Like you could just go out on the beach. This is crazy. (laughs) I was, yeah, I was a little sheltered and I was a tot. So is the beach like, are there beach clubs, this is going to sound like is we like it's something that we just not to my knowledge if we have it here I've never seen it, but like is that a common practice over there or? Um, not really. I mean, there it's it's like uh, there's a few probably, but that that one is I think it's the only one in LA. I can't I can't think of another one, but they give you the umbrellas. Like it's kind yeah. of like if you think about Saint Tropez, like they're trying to do that kind of thing or something like have it okay. all set up for you, but. Yeah, it was a weird it was a weird way to experience the beach as a kid. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was different. So you moved down to Laguna Beach, Newport. Newport Beach. Sorry, not yeah, yeah Newport Beach. Okay, yeah. home of um, Arrested Development. Exactly, and I worked at a banana stand when I was a teenager. Did you really? I did. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. Was it frozen bananas? Frozen bananas. We did frozen bananas and these things called Balboa bars, which is basically just vanilla ice cream with chocolate on it and cotton candy and popcorn and all that stuff. Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> that show really hits home for me. I was about to say, you bet you'd have some weird flashbacks, flashbacks watching that show. Yeah, for sure. It's great. That's amazing. So do, yeah. um, how old were you when you moved there? You said you're about 10? About 10. Yeah. I was going into sixth grade. Okay. So I think that's about the right age. And is it was it a big culture shock? Huge. Yeah. It was so different. Yeah, so my parents had you know they lived in their neighborhood for a long time, so they knew all the families, and um, so we got there. We didn't know anybody, and it was like to my dad, it was like the most hedonistic place he'd ever seen. We moved to this area too when we first moved to Newport. We moved to Forty Fifth Street in Seashore, which is like a known college party scene. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so we were just dumped right in the middle of it. So my dad, I think, was just horrified. Yeah, we didn't get the memo. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah. So he was a little horrified right off the bat. And that was, like, I think where we first saw parents being divorced 
and uh, like okay. you know yeah, like yep. that started and i think that was partly the time not just the location i think you know the times had was the early 80s and people were starting to do that more and my parents were just dismayed. it was around that time it was like late 70s early 80s that that you were allowed to get i'm not sure if this is an australian thing or but like was it around that time where you could just get divorced because you wanted to get divorced is that oh you know that might be that might be the case yeah like a no fault divorce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might be so. Yeah, I mean okay. the eighties were known in Orange County at least for being so like parents were so wrapped up in their own heads, like the kids just ran wild. And the generation from from my husband, who's four years older than me, to me, yeah. like that whole age group of kids in Newport Beach, it was just crazy. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of craziness going on, and a lot of parents who were not paying any attention. They were all going to like est and doing yoga and weird stuff like that so and just letting the kids stay like do whatever they need to on the streets <sighs> seem like it yeah so like without jumping too far ahead like would this this seems like it would be one of the reasons why i guess a lot of punk rock and whatnot and like violence exploded out of those areas <laughs> probably yeah. yeah a lot of a lot of um parents not paying attention a lot of drugs there was a lot of money Um, so there was just a lot of people not having much direction, I think, and nobody telling them what they needed to be doing Yeah, from both parents and kids angles. You mean, I think so. Yeah. I think we were all just kind of messed up. I mean, the kids I ran around with, and this is obviously a little bit later. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of kids just not, not knowing how to deal with the world at all and having enough money where they didn't have to. They could just, (laughs) yeah, they could just throw money for whatever (laughs) It would fix it. Yeah, it was weird. Okay. Yeah, and you, and sorry, only one sister went with you. Yeah. So where were so, where were your other brothers and sisters? Were they still? Uh, they're off in college. Or? My oh, okay. my one sister, who was the dancer, had turned eighteen and moved to New York, and then it was right after that that we moved to okay. Newport. So she was the third and the third youngest. So when she left, we moved to Newport, and then my brothers came back. Like everybody came back and forth a couple of times because they were still in their late teens, early twenties, yep. but they weren't there consistently after yeah. that. And so what were the high schools, like, what were the schooling systems like as in uh, and, and like different to where you came from? So different. So um, all of a sudden money was like a big deal and how much you had was a big deal yeah. and what before, kind of clothes sorry, you wore was a big deal. Before you go on, were your parents, were your parents considered wealthy? I think they probably were, they did well. My dad did really well. He was very successful, but not in comparison to what was around us, if that makes sense. What you just moved into kind of thing. Yeah. And my parents were never, um, my parents were awesome in that they never led us to believe that us as kids were any better than anybody else because my parents had done well. You know what I mean? Like there was, they they didn't give us like, no, that doesn't mean you get to be an asshole. Like, you know, so, and that doesn't mean you're going to spend our money. Um, And I was around kids all of a sudden who, whose parents were getting them nose jobs when they were 13 and like weird shit like that. And um, you know, it was really, it was a real different environment. But when I went into sixth grade, I went to Catholic school and it was horrible and I was horribly bullied um, because I was a new kid, but also because I didn't have the right fashion and I talked funny because it's from the valley and, uh, okay. you know, all of those things. And my sister was going to a private high school 
and she was having some of her own issues getting integrated. Um, so we both had a really tough first year and then we ended up in public school after that. And that was better. With his, without sounding too jerkish, there's, I guess there's less money in public, less money flying around in public schools. <clears throat> there, yeah, there, there probably was, there was, and there was just more kids. So okay. like in my, in my school, there was, in my sixth grade, there was 20 kids in my class, I think. Okay. And then when I went into seventh grade, there's like 400. So it just, it just disperses it out. So there's not, you yeah, know, yeah. you don't have to hang out with those same kids. There's different kids around. Yeah. So and you kind of was, find your own niche. Yeah. And then my sister was there, which was great because then I could realize I'd been bullied so bad. I was pretty like gun shy of people. So she pretty much adopted me and with her friends. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's how I kind of got into the sort of music I got into and the drugs I got into and all that stuff was because I was hanging out with the older kids. Fantastic. That's <laughs> unreal. So let's talk about music then, I guess. Like um, what were kids listening to and what was your sister listening to? And then oh, what did you God. That I you- think back, I think a lot of the kids were, well, let's see. It was, um, it ranged from like the Go-Go's and who was it? Guns N' Roses was really big when I was in high school. Okay. Um, let's see who else. Madonna was really big back then. This is what the mid eighties, yeah. um, Duran Duran, all those kinds of bands. But then there's like Bauhaus and, you know, the kind of gothic the sort of stuff. stuff going on. Yeah. Um, and then for me, what happened was, let's see, my sister got me an agent orange album. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, that like just changed my life. You know, it's like, Oh my God, this music is amazing. And, um, and my parents who had been so mortified by people getting divorced, got divorced. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, yeah, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> um, like everybody else in Orange County. And, and so, and that was like a really nasty, ugly divorce. So I think I disappeared into oh. music and into drugs and that's where I like, that's where I really found my people. Um, and so punk rock was just like perfectly prime place for me to end up was just, you know, started with agent orange and then all the local bands that were happening in orange County at the time or LA and, you know, like the adolescents and descendants and X and all those bands, we just so, social distortion. So were they like, I guess all those bands started, kind of started in the seventies and you're talking about kind of, I guess, mid eighties, but were they, mm-hmm. um, was there, Visible, were these bands readily visible? Like, were they playing shows all the time, or was it still an underground, part of my underground kind of thing? They played shows all the time. There was only a few venues where kids could go. Okay. So I was always just so depressed that I was as young as I was because I just wished I was like eight years older so I could go to all the bars and see bands play. But yeah. uh, like, there's like fenders in in Long Beach that you could go to and. There's a couple other places every now and then that would pop up that would have kids shows, but mostly we, I think we mostly went to Fenders. That's yep. where we saw a lot of shows. And then that Receipt a Country Club was one. The problem when I was a kid was finding rides to places because they were a decent distance and, and wanting to go to. It's not fantastic public transport in that part it's of the world. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. There is, it's, yeah, it's pretty non existent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you witness much violence and stuff? like from like at those shows like there's pretty you know there's pretty massive tales of a lot of like sorry massive tales is really bad what but there's a lot of history of um violence at shows especially around yeah Bolivia. like was that something that was obvious to you or no i think i was i was either too young or just 
to like not paying attention. Okay. Um, so I, cause like you told me to read that book. Right. And I tried to read it. And that uh, one scene where that girl gets raped, I was like, I can't, I can't even read this book. For context, just, yeah, just for context, that's the no effects, um, hepatitis, bathtubs and other stories. I remember, yeah. Cause I remember sending you the book and I, I didn't want to ask because it's, because yeah, you, you said to me, I had to put it down yeah, because it got too real. And I just thought, I wonder what it like, you know, I don't want to pry, but I was like, I always thought, I wonder what it was because there's, a, I mean, the shit, the book, that book is really heavy. It's really heavy. I yeah. couldn't, I just, it just was too, it was, it, I don't know. It hit a weird place for me. Um, but no, I didn't see anything really like that. I did see a lot of fist fights and, yep. you know, uh, I think the the two things that I really remember was there was a time we went to Fenders and it was like Reagan youth or, Oh no, it was agnostic front was playing at Fenders. Okay. And so me and all my friends were at Agnostic Front. And then right down the street at the Long Beach Auditorium or someplace like that uh, was Metallica was playing. Okay. And so back in those days, those two audiences didn't really mesh well. Yeah, clash, yeah. <laughs> so, so there was sort of – there was a lot of violence in the street that night because it was like the long-haired Hessians versus all the shaved head crazy people. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that there was that one. And then I told you that the other one was uh, – I can't remember the venue, but was the um, the Pennywise Bad Religion show that? Oh, that's right. Yeah, we talked about that recently. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was, but that was more just like street, but like people weren't getting hurt. That was just people breaking things. So yeah. I don't think I really saw a ton of like people being abused, other than just getting in fistfights and stuff. And that that probably still happens at those shows, you know. Yeah, um, no, that's that's yeah. true. Yeah. So nothing super out of the ordinary, but I loved it. I mean, I was like 13, 14 and it was like, I had, there was this one girl, this little skinhead girl that was at Fenders that grabbed me the first show I ever went to, which I think was the descendants. Yeah. And bad religion, I think. And she grabbed me and she dragged me into the pit with her. And I was just like, this is like, this is it. You know, like I found my calling. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All my anger. Here you go. Yep. That's insane. So like were there many were there many like where were we getting your music from? Like were there record stores or was it just trickling down from and, and actually, and a side question, hmm. what was it about that Agent Orange what Agent Orange album was it and what was it that made your sister go like this is it? It was I was just so great. It was the blue one. I don't know what it's called. It's the blue one with just Agent Orange on it. I think it was I think that's the name of the album. Um let me check. I have it on my phone. But it was just, it was, it was just so different and it's kind of surf punk, you know? So it was like the Dick Dale stuff going on in the middle and it was yeah. just, there was is something it, about it that was just totally new. Uh, what'd you say? This is the voice. Hang on a second. Living in Darkness, actually. Oh, so it's the first one. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, sorry. I had to double check my sources. Um, yeah. So... I just, it just, that kind of energy just got to me. And I think there was so much going in, on in my life emotionally that I was trying to avoid, that it was yeah. just this great place to jump in. And, um, and there was a lot of that. I mean, there, it was a pretty big scene back then. And, you know, you could get this group of friends that, that and that meant a lot to me because I'd been bullied and I didn't want to really deal with people. And so you get around, you know, the crazier looking kids and then you feel like you're safe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was it was kind of perfect. With at your school, like was 
were there many kids listening to that kind of stuff or was it still an outsider's mm. kind of music or? It was pretty outsider. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a, there was a pretty small group of us that, that listened to that. And like, we all wanted to go to our high school was Corona Mar high school was like the, the real preppy high school. So the, the few of us that were there, a lot of the, a lot of us got kicked out. So even though um, it was public, it was still yeah oh yeah oh no yeah yeah because there wasn't a a lot of the private schools i think were um religious so a lot of a lot i mean literally i went to school with people who one of the girls that was not in my grade i think she's a little bit older but this is the craziness that would go on she got a ferrari for her 16th birthday wow and it was used and she got mad because it was used amazing (laughs) I mean, that's the kind of shit that not everybody, but like you go to the the student parking lot was definitely nicer than the teacher's parking lot. You know, the cars, it was, it was a really interesting thing. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. I completely understand what you mean by that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, there was a, a definite, you know, it was, it was not a neighborhood I ever felt super comfortable in. It was, yeah. it's just, that just didn't fit with the way I saw the world really. So, yeah. So uncomfortable. You're you're very. This, I'm going to phrase this really wrong, but you're very big into horses at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Did you start at, the, at a younger age, or when did that kind of happen? Oh gosh, that happened when I was a little kid. So probably when I was like five. My okay. sister, who uh, yeah, my sister who was ended up being the dancer, was really into horses, and she got me into them. And then I just ran with it. Like she did dancing, I did horses. You know, like it just. I just wanted to ride all the time. Did you ever get into com- any kind of competitions with that, or was it just like the love of riding horses? I did. I competed as a as a teenager. Uh, when my parents divorced, I think they thought it'd be a good thing to get me a horse to try to keep me out of trouble. Okay. Um, so I did compete. I competed for a couple years in my earlier teen teens, like fourteen, fifteen. Yep. And then I sold my horse because I really just wanted to party and I didn't want to have to deal with responsibility a horse yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like oh that's way too much work yeah. yeah and what was the um what was the event like what was yeah what were you what were you competing again what kind of events uh, i did what was called at the time i think it was equitation and oh yeah equitation i didn't really do any so it's jumping. jumping okay yeah 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 nicole um my wife grew up a horse oh, that's girl right. yeah and so we've got oh god uh, probably about half a dozen horses at our property at the moment and um dreamy yeah yeah well i mean there's it it has its moments but um <laughs> I, I always like i joke with nicole and just think like she was the girl that um and i guess there's heaps of them out there but she like i feel like all girls get into like love horses at one stage or another and mm-hmm. she was the girl that just didn't let it go like yeah. no, i'm not saying that like a bad thing but like you know like i played an instrument as a kid and and so did a bunch of my other mates but like I didn't stop playing where, yeah, Nicole just didn't stop riding horses and here we are with half a dozen horses. <laughs> That's what happens. We start collecting them. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not cheap and they can't look after themselves. No, but they really do. I mean, it, it probably, it did probably prevent me from getting too far out of whack too young. I mean, I was really young and I was pretty out of whack, but yeah, it probably did prevent some of the more nasty things that happened to some of my friends from happening to me. So. Were your horses? You weren't living on a, any kind of property where you were just in somewhere. No, yeah, I just had it stabled at a yeah. barn. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that keeps you um 
if you've got those, if you've got that kind of responsibility, that kind of keeps you on the straight and narrow somewhat. Yeah, you have to show. Yeah, you have to show up. You have to, you know. Yeah. Go to the show. You have to take care of your horse. That kind of thing. So. Yeah, cool. Get help for a while. Yeah. So, are we going to go an Agent Orange song? No, actually, okay. I. So the song that um, that when if you talk about like my rebellious age, yep. I think the song that I loved more than anything was Drastic Actions by Bad Religion. Fantastic. Fantastic. I think this is like, this is odd to me, but I think this is the first bad religion. This is the first time bad religion's ever been brought up. And really? Yeah. Considering that, like everyone I speak to comes from a punk rock background. Uh huh. The first time. Um. Yeah. So I'm I, I'm I'm stoked with whatever everyone picks, but um. Yeah. Bad religion. There you go. And yeah. what like this this obviously would have pissed your parents off to no end. For real, like, them and Dead Kennedys was like the yeah. yeah. <laughs> did like did Just, they see? Uh, did you were you wearing like Bad Religion back like patches or pins oh, or anything, or did they see that? I kind had of Bad Religion shirts and I was wearing Doc Martens and I yeah the whole thing. But my parents had divorced by that time and completely given up. So ah uh, okay yeah. They, <laughs> at that point, there was nothing they could do. Yeah. So who were you living with? My mom. Okay. Which yeah. is did she? Did she move far away? Like, were you, sorry, let me start again. Were you both still in the same, like, were your parents still living in the same area? Yeah, they both still lived in Newport. Um, yeah. My dad moved right down the street, really. So for a while, he lived pretty close. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it was a pretty contentious thing. So, like, I didn't really see him, even though he lived really close. It was mostly just me and my mom and my sister. I guess because, yeah, the only, like, unless he comes and picks you up, your mom's got to drop you there. Yeah, and I was really mad at him. I didn't okay. really want to see him. So, no, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> poor enough. guy, just out, out, yeah, out cold. Yep, cool. Um, Jurassic actions off the the EP, Bad Religion EP. <laughs>
loved that song. Loved that song. Just scream it at the top of my lungs every time it came on. So how did 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 you find Bad Religion by? I mean, you know, obviously they were were big at the time back then, but well, especially around that area. But like, were your sisters into that as well? That was kind of the one thing you found by yourself, or what happened there? No, my sister was really into punk rock too. So she got me into. I mean, she got me. I hung out with her friends and hung out with her, and um, I think probably because I think the first show I ever went to at Fenders was Descendants and Bad Religion. What a way to start! So, what a way to start the musical career. <laughs> it's only Daniel right? from there, pretty much. Uh, yeah, and so and that was when they were playing all that kind of music. Like that—that that was their music at the time, Jurassic Actions and Frogger and like all those old songs. So, yep. um, yeah, I just I just loved, and they were my favorite band for years yep. through my teens. Okay, so. so quick side note question about Bad Religion, because yeah. The Into the Unknown album. Mm-hmm. Did you ever listen to it? Into the Known, isn't it? Is no. it to the Into the Unknown? Into the Unknown was the Into uh, the Unknown was the electronic one. No, I don't think so. Yeah, everyone... I listened to their acoustic one. Okay. Um, but I don't know if I've heard of the electronic one. Yeah, so they did Into the Unknown, which was okay. uh, Wikipedia describes it as. Da, 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 da. Slower tempos, use of electronic organ, pianos, prog rock influenced hard rock sounds. Hmm. And it's when did that one come out? Eighty three. And it's okay. it's the really like it's the one where people went, What the fuck? Like <laughs> like they've never they never reissued they've reissued all their albums until only recently. Yeah. They'd reissued all their albums. This was the only one that was the only one they didn't reissue because it went down so poorly. But then when they did their thirtieth anniversary, they um did a box set of ever like they reissued everything. I bought one for a, I bought a copy for a friend. Fuck, it would have been about five years ago now, and it was about two hundred dollars. Wow. Yeah, it's it was you, before they repressed it was rare as fuck. I can't I can believe that it didn't go over well. I mean, we think about when I think about that time. Yeah. It's not like it is now. People were not too experimental. Yeah. There was like a sound and you stick with that sound. Otherwise, and you're, you deviate? Yeah. right. You just, yeah, that's, you're a sellout or lame yeah. or, you know, like there was, it just, there wasn't a lot of, um, wiggle room in, yeah. 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 in yeah. that. that it didn't sense. seem like compared to now, right? Like where you can really, people seem like they can do whatever. Oh, and no, no, still you can, it's almost like because music's so accessible that you can release something. And as long as it's got some kind of, like as long as it's actually got some kind of substance, the the music will find its audience, or what the, whatever the art form is will find its audience. Mm-hmm. It's like, true. Um, so yeah, so I don't know. Yeah. But that, well, I watched yeah. like X, where you know John Doe went off completely on a country kick, and now he mostly sings country, and it's great, but yeah. it's completely you know it's completely different, and then you know you grow up and you learn how to play your instrument better and you learn how to, you know, whatever you, and you do. Get, and as, as weird as it sounds, I guess you get less angry. Yeah. You settle down. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it happens, I guess. It does. Right. Social distortion did sort of the same thing, right? Like they went sort of rockabilly and then they kind of segued into some country stuff, into, especially yeah. Mike Ness. And yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it happens. I guess it's, yeah, it's the trajectory of punk rockers. Eventually. Yeah. They end up at gotta, yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. So, what um what what about when you did you you didn't go all the way through high school did you drop out early I didn't you, yeah I um I tested out after tenth grade okay 
So I went through my sophomore year. And then, Which now I look back and I realize how much I actually missed. Like people are like, didn't you learn that in high school science class? I'm like, uh, no. Yeah, okay. <laughs> missed that whole part. Yeah. Wasn't paying much attention. Yeah. <laughs> no, didn't take that class. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so when were you working at the banana stand? That's when I was 15. It was the best job. So down on the peninsula, um, that's where everybody hung out. Yep. Like all the punkers, pretty much everybody hung out down there. Um, so that's where I got a job because I wanted to hang out and they could hang out all the time. And it was great. Like the place I worked, it was, uh, it was called Mr. Fun Foods. This is so good. Yeah. And, and it, it was right on the, in the, what they call the fun zone. And, uh, yeah, it was great. We did frozen bananas and Balboa bars and popcorn and cotton candy and corn dogs, like all that kind of milkshakes, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was great. It was the best job. We just smoked weed and ate food. It was amazing. That's, I guess, that's the upside of the like, parents not caring about what the kids are doing. You can kind of, oh man, you run this shit for a while. We, yeah, I his parents. It's like you know in Snoopy, how the parents are always like, wah, 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 yeah, wah, yeah. wah. Like they're not. That's kind of how it felt yeah. growing up. Like just they were there, but they were sort of inconsequential. Yeah, and that's very interesting. That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> so. Get, like I guess when you kind of when you left high school and whatnot, what were you were you still listening to punk rock or kind of things changed or where where were you after no. high school? I got I probably got even more into punk rock. Um, I went to Orange Coast College, so I went to community college. Yep. I try I tried to stay in school, um, okay. but was spending you know I could drive at that point, so I was going to a lot more shows and running around with my friends and probably wasn't home very much started to getting, getting into more trouble, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But my poor mom, who's like a saint, my mom is the kindest person you've ever met and has never met anyone. She didn't immediately love no matter what, what they, they look like yeah, or the what they done or yeah. if they just gotten out of prison. So we would be bringing these people home. <laughs> and she'd, she'd be accommodating. And she, she'd give them a shower and some food and like, you know, yeah. she's just the loveliest, kindest person, but was like, you know, if you looked at it from, an adult perspective, like, Hey, that's a 16 year old girl. That guy shouldn't, you know, or they shouldn't be hanging out with her. Like, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was kind of interesting, but she is, she's just, she's, she's just got the biggest heart in the world. She's the kindest person I've ever met. So she just, she doesn't see the bad in people That's fantastic. or the danger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's unreal. Um, yeah. So what were you learning? What were you doing at college? We like, was it a specific thing or were you just, were you doing like a, is it the GED or? No. So I tested in California, you can get the high school proficiency certificate. If you're not 18, you can't get a GED. Okay. So because I was 16, I, I did what they tested out of high school. And so I could attend community college on that certificate. Yep. Um, so that's what I did. And I just took general ed classes. Mostly I was just fucking around. Yeah. I was going to the beach and working and, you know, partying a lot and occasionally going to class. It took me four years to get out of a two year community college. That's pretty good, but so like that's that's the way to do it. Just <laughs> yeah, take your time. But I was on time, right? Because yeah. I started at sixteen, so I still finished when I was twenty. Well, you were, yeah, that's that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So it worked out. And then I've you know, and then I went to I sobered up and got sober and then I, I went to regular college and so what was that last thing you said? You went to? I went to a four-year oh. college after that, but I'd gotten sober in the meantime, so yeah. that actually helped me focus a lot more. 
what um what college did you go to? Do, were you local or did you move away? I stayed local. I was because I had, I had just gotten sober. Um, I got pretty bad into drugs in my later teen years. Yeah. Hung out with some pretty pretty. I mean, there was a, there was a pretty interesting crowd in that area at that time, and there was a lot of pretty heavy drugs and um. And so when I got sober, I was kind of scared to move away from the people I knew that were sober. Okay. So yeah, I yeah. stayed local when I went to college because I was a little afraid to leave that support system. Yeah. Um, so I went to Chapman, which before, is – Sorry, before a, you go on, oh, when you yeah. said um, the the people that you were sober with, were they friends previously or you'd kind of met them through your newfound sobriety? Uh, a, couple, a couple. A couple had gotten sober before me. The majority got sober after me. So um, I had a couple friends that were sober when I got there, which was great. Yeah. Um, and then I made a ton of friends. It was it was the funnest time to get sober ever, like back then, because there used to be like punk rock bands playing at the Alano Club because everybody was getting sober because everybody had been doing too many drugs. Yeah, yeah. And so it was like you could go you could go to the Alano Club and Social Distortion would be playing, you know, and like that was the sober place. So yep. it was like, yep. it was, it was a lot of fun. And in that, that environment, I didn't want to leave that because I felt like, you know, it'd be pretty easy for me to try to go find that again somewhere else. And it would probably be in a bar yep. and not at an Alano club. So yep. yeah. So I, I stayed local. That's fantastic. And what did you study at college? Sociology. Okay. Yeah. What made you get into that? Um, I just like the way that I, I'm just interested in the way people interact with each other and how groups of people organize themselves and, you know, how, what the psychology behind groups is. I, I yeah. liked psychology, but it was way too individual. I thought it was much more interesting when you've got more than one person together. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So I liked studying the systems of people and government and that kind of stuff. Unreal. That's a- super fun. Okay. So you, you still listen to punk rock and stuff. What did, like what, what was the, what was the soundtrack to your, I guess, you know, post, post college life or college life kind of thing? Yeah. Well, so it was so great because at that point, like now I'm 21 ish yeah, and I can go to bars. Like I was the one kid who probably never had a fake ID. Like I went to like three bars before I turned 21 and it was cause I had friends working the door. Yeah. Okay. Um, because you, what, you I just, just didn't do that. Well, I just, I didn't want to get in trouble. Like I was doing uh, enough bad stuff yep. that I didn't want to draw attention to myself. Yeah, set up any more <laughs> so I just like, whatever. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so now I could go to bars and there was like, you know, the doll hut and club Mesa and Tiki bar and like all these, these clubs that were all like these punk rock clubs yep. in Orange County, uh, to go to like every weekend and tons of bands popping up, like, I don't know, us bombs and the briefs and the stitches. I don't know if any of these are, you know, worldwide bands at this point. Oh, okay. Um, Probably not at that point, but yeah, obviously those names trickled across here. Yeah. Yeah. So like that was like, you know, just hanging out with my friends and those were like all the group of friends were all these bands that were playing all the time. So it was, it was super fun. And, and yeah, I was going to shows probably like three times a week at that point. That's unreal. Cause I could, it was great. Yeah. Cause it was really fun. Yeah. So is there a song that kind of sums all that up? Yeah, well, so there was it's band the Super Suckers. Oh yeah, okay. um, yeah. So a friend of mine and I got so into the Super Suckers, and we would go see them anytime they were anywhere near us, and we would bring bags of lollipops and hand them out. Good. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't know why we decided that was our thing. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, it was the Super Suckers, the song Marie. 
Is this I'm, I know like I know nothing. Well, not nothing, but minimal about super suckers. Where does this kind of fit in in their um in their discography? Is it an earlier song or? I don't know. <laughs> honestly, this is what I was talking about. Like, I don't know anything about the music I listen to. Um, it was on the Sacrilicious Sounds of the Super Suckers album. Okay. But I don't know where that was in the albums they've put out. So, because they had that, like, they're, they're a prime example of that um, punk rockers who, I mean, yeah, they still had that, that punk rock like, ethic and, you know, aesthetic almost, but they look like country guys. Yeah, they've got kind of a psychobilly sort of yeah. thing going on, like rock and roll. Yeah, like, yeah. Like big, yeah. big hats and yeah, sick. And I think I think Eddie Spaghetti is actually the only person that's still in that band that was in the band at the time. Oh, that so. w- yeah, that would. I think it's just him. Yeah, <laughs> just a rotating cast of members. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Marie, but by, God, um, we the- Marie by the Super yeah. Suckers. That's it.
so were they were they local? No, I don't. <laughs> no. I don't think so. I don't know where they're from, uh, but they did play in Orange County a lot. Okay, they they played pretty regularly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, and for some reason, that's just we. There was just this period in my life where I was like, "Oh my god, the Super Suckers are playing!" And maybe it was because all those other bands played all the time. Yeah, yeah. So when they played, it was like something different. I don't know, but it just that song just rings so true to me from that period of my life. And probably because I just gotten sober and the song's about somebody who ODs and, oh, okay. yeah. um, yeah. So it was just, it just, it just really, I just loved it. Yeah. Clicked. That's, that's what it's all about. So like, this is the, for me, this is the weirdest part of the um, podcast because it's depending on kind of how old you are, this, this <laughs> gap can be like really, really quick. Or like really like you could have done a few things in this like from the last part to where we're at now, or you could have done a whole bunch of stuff. So like, like um, what? Yeah, what? Like, uh, how do I put this? I did a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm so, old. Yeah. So, but like, what? You know, what? What are some key highlights of um? Oh like you gosh, got, you got married to. I got married. You've been with you've been with your husband for a fair while, and you've known him for a fair while, yeah. Yeah, we got we've been married almost 17 years. So I got yeah, I got married in my late 20s. Um I went to graduate school. I Yeah, I got pretty successful at my job. I yeah. uh, we moved to Northern California, so I moved out of So, so what my was My husband and I both grew up down south. Yeah, what was uh, cuz you like one of the fantastic anecdotes you've said, you've mentioned to me a few times is that your husband used to put on shows for Sublime in his backyard. Well, I think he played like their roommates, his roommate or something knew one of the guys. So they played in his backyard. Um, That's so good. Yeah. It, yeah. It was a weird time. It was, I mean, none of those bands were really that big at the time. I didn't know him then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah at all. So, you know, he had his whole storyline. It was very weird because he hung out with about the same group of people, um, just a little bit older than me, but still a lot of the same group. Yeah. And, parallel i was hanging out with those same people and we never met never crossed paths um yeah and and then we met way later down the line when we were we worked together and all of a sudden started talking about like do you know so and so do you know so oh my god that's so weird how do you know that person yeah and it was like we knew all the same people um but had never met yeah so that's very interesting yeah so i never went to any of the parties at his house i don't I hear stories, but that's it. Yeah, fair enough. So, what made <laughs> yeah. you what made you both move to Northern California? D- did you move together? Work. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We got married, and then a couple years after we got married, my husband got this crazy cool job opportunity up here. Yep. So we moved to Northern California. Um, it was great. We moved up here. We bought a house. We did all the stuff you're supposed to do, yep. and then his company got acquired, and he got laid off. Oh. <laughs> so we're like, oh shit! Is he in the, what do we do now? Is he in the IT world? He's not. He okay. um, he he works for a startup now, but at the time he was working in, for a construction company. Okay. Right, right. Um, yeah. So, you know, bounce back from that. It was actually a really great thing for him because he ended up getting to get into a different career that he really liked, and uh, yeah. So it all went really well. But it was it was like a really rocky move. Yeah. It's pretty nuts. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And I was finishing up grad school at the time, so. So you you're in a you do you work as a startup you work at a startup now, is that mm-hmm. a is it just like a is there just tons of startups up there like that are 
Or is that kind of like in the Northern California kind of not, – not that you live – did you live near Silicon Valley? I live in – I live right in Silicon Valley, okay. yeah. You are there, yeah. right. So like is um, it – has it has there definitely been a shift of like a downturn or is it still as is it still as um vibrant like opportunity wise as as it's always been up there oh god no there's t- there's tons of opportunity here there's yeah. i mean there's a million startups um and there's a million i mean all the big companies are here too right like facebook and google and yep. uh all of those companies are twitter um but yeah so there's tons of opportunities there's the the competition for jobs is is crazy, but there's also so many jobs that like, it's, it's nuts up here. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's crazy expensive to live here. The whole thing is just, it's, I can't wait to get out of here. Honestly, okay. it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting and it was really fun to live here for a while, but it's, it's, um, it's intense. Yeah. Very cutthroat or just like minimal jobs, job stability, not job stability, but like it's feel, uh, it also like, and this is based on my knowledge of watching the TV series Silicon Valley. <laughs> like, the whole system can change overnight. Like, you can wake yeah. up and everything's changed. Yeah, and a startup for sure. I think that's true. Yeah. Um, I think in the bigger companies, they they do a lot of consolidation and a lot of you know shifting things around. Yeah. Um, there's tons of opportunity though. People move jobs here all the time. Like okay. it's not unusual for people to be at a job for a year and then, you know, and just move on and then keep doing that. Uh, so, but I, I'd never worked in a startup before. This is the first time I've done that. I've always worked in construction, yep. which is a much more stable environment. Like people go to a construction company, they stay there forever. Yeah. yeah, Makes sense. So, so it's, it's very different. It's very dynamic. It's very fast paced. People do change. I mean, things change because market, circumstances change yeah. the product something else you know so you just really have to be adaptable yeah um it's it's really interesting and i'm super glad i'm doing it because i feel bad if i lived in the silicon valley for 20 years and never worked for a startup yeah. it seems like yeah you got to right yeah it's part of the rule yeah. <laughs> i think it is yeah. so that's awesome um yeah now i guess a lot of people that are going to listen to this are going to know you from um just the worst podcast and being a guest uh-huh. on the So Ficking podcast. Um, how did you get into it? Hardest thing I've ever done, by the way. Doing a podcast? <laughs> Doing So Ficking podcasts. It was terrible. Oh, I can imagine. It was so hard. Yeah. Those guys, way too quick for me. Did you, you, you didn't fill in. You were, you were an additional guest, weren't you? I was an addition, yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, they, so they seem pretty rapid fire on that. They are so good. Yeah. Yeah. So they were, they were a big inspiration. Or were you listening to much podcast before that you well, – Because ah. that's how, like, for, for context, that's how you and I um, started chatting because we were both, I guess, relatively active on the um, Sofa King Facebook group. Yeah. Um, they So I listened – before that, I would listened to My Favorite Murder. Oh, of course. And I yes, listened yes, yes. to – I think that's the one that – first got me into podcasts somebody told me about that and so I started listening to it and then there was one other one and then I started listening to Sofa King and I was like oh my god these guys are hilarious and so they're the ones that actually inspired me to start my own because they had a they had one episode where they're like just it's Brad right just do it like why are you just sitting there thinking about it just do it it's like okay I'm gonna do it that sounds like fun yeah (laughs) so no like we did I'm like I, I remember when I first started this there were two, the two inspirations I drew from 
were Damien Abraham from Fucked Up, who does a podcast called Turned Out a Punk, who at the end of every episode says, um, basically says, make your own culture. Like, you know, you go out and, you know, like his, like people used to make zines and uh-huh. you know, all that kind of jazz. And it's like, I don't have, I don't really have the kind of time and availability to start a new band, even though that's what I've, I've been playing music for the last 20 something years. But um, yeah, so he'd always say, start, like, you know, start, like, start your own whatever, do something, uh, create your own culture. And then, so I was talking to Brent one day and he's like, oh, it's really easy to do, da 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 da. And I went, okay, let's do that then. Yeah. Right. So I, th- I think I've heard somewhere like starting a podcast is a millennial's version of let's start a band. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it, it's so it's so fun too because it's like this really low barrier of entry. Yeah, very. It's, yeah, you know, it's like it's pretty easy to get your thing up on a platform. It doesn't cost that much for equipment to get started. Yeah. Um, all you need is an idea, and you don't even have to play any instrument. Like I don't have any talent, yeah. so I can just talk into a microphone. <laughs> makes me feel like I'm doing something. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So let's. So just the worst podcast. Give us the yeah. uh, overview. Oh gosh. Um, we are two friends. We've been friends for a really long time, both from Southern California, transplants, Northern California. And we are just appalled at all the things that are going on in the world, all the horrible things, but are also terribly fascinated by them. Yes. Um, so we talk about all kinds of horrible things, really anything that's terrible from like comically terrible to actually terrible. We cover it all. All And sometimes we don't cover anything at all. Sometimes you just have a chance. (laughs) We just, sometimes we just ramble. Yeah. Yeah. So it's super fun. Um, my co-host Valentina is one of the funniest people I've ever met. She is hilarious. And so it's just a, it's a good time always sitting, just talking with her because she comes up with some crazy shit. You guys have fantastic chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sick. Thank you. She's, yeah, it's fun. Sick. So where can people, obviously it's in the uh, podcast app if you search for just the worst. Yeah, it's on iTunes, Stitcher. I think we just got on Spotify. Uh, all of yeah, I think I've Google Play. So pretty much all the major platforms. Yeah. I can't think of one that we're not on at this point. So yeah, yes. and so we're doing okay. I mean, we're you know, it's it's it seems like you know you'll have this like this growth, and you're like, oh, that's so exciting. Like how many people downloaded our episode, and then the next week it's like, oh, like that's a third of the number of yeah. last week. We're what happened? Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, it's. I mean, I think I'm doing it more for the love than trying to make a career out of it. Oh, absolutely, so it's, yeah. You know, it's fine. However, whatever happens, it's just a fun thing to do. Yeah. I, the one thing I do am so interested by, though, is that I'm a pretty reserved person in real life. Yeah, okay. And I am not a kind of person who's going to meet you and spill, like, all my Innermost. life story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You put a microphone in my face, the, the and I will talk about anything. Yeah. Even if it's yeah. the craziest thing. I understand that. Yeah. Like I'm never going to get hired for a job again after all the things I've said on that podcast. Yeah. You just, I hope nobody listens yeah, to it. Don't tell any of your friends <laughs> about it because you never know what's going to come out. Exactly. Yeah. It's so funny. It's like, oh God. But yeah, I love it. It's like uh, sometimes I just use the audience for therapy. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I just as, need to get this off my chest. As weird as that sounds, it comes <laughs> off, but like it, it kind of comes off like that, but it also works really, really well. Like, oh, good. Uh, I'm glad. I really dig it. I'm a, you know, I'm a big fan. <laughs> Thank so. you. Cool. Yeah, it's fun. Okay, so let's let's pick a song that kind of wraps up all that, oh, all yeah. the last, you know, yeah, this part of your life. What are you listening to? 
so now I, I too have mellowed out not so angry anymore yep. um so i listen to a lot of like lucero and t-rex and ben queller and yep. um elliot smith but i think the one band that i've listened to well even when i was a kid it was one of my favorite bands and it has spanned this whole time is uh the replacements okay yeah fantastic. and when paul westerberg started going off and doing his own stuff yep. uh i fell in love with that too i just think his lyrics there isn't i mean he's just amazing his his lyrical capability is incredible yep. so i picked it's a wonderful lie by paul westerberg unbelievable what a great way to wrap it up <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic hey thank you so much so quick you want to do a quick um quick i guess where can people find you or find just the worst like on you can list. find just yeah don't try to find me no yeah no, uh, but you can find you can find just the worst so um you could come to Reno. Yeah. Um, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram is just the worst pod and Twitter. It's JTW pod. Follow us, like us, all that good stuff. And then we're on all the podcast apps. So give us a listen. Fantastic. And I highly recommend people do cause it's, it's so much fun. Thank you. Patty. Thanks so much for having this chat. I really dig it. I Thank really, you so much for having that's me. That's all good. That's all good. Um, let's listen to Paul Westerberg. Okay. Take care. All right. Thank you. You too. Get up from a dream and I look for rain. Take an amphetamine and a crushed right brain. How am I feeling better, I suppose? How am I looking? I don't want the truth. What am I doing? I ain't in my youth. I'm past my prime, or was that just a pose? It's a wonderful lie, I still get by on those. I've been accused of never opening up. If you get too close, then I'll keep my mouth shut. Gonna run to the wind with a big bad city blows. It's a wonderful lie, I still get by on those It's a wonderful lie By on to maim it'll make you feel great this fortune and fame wearing too much makeup not near enough clothes it's a wonderful lie i still get by on those it's a wonderful lie still get by so don't pin your hopes or pin your dreams to misanthropes Guys like me and the truth is overrated, I suppose. It's a wonderful lie, still get by on those. It's a wonderful lie, still get by.
All right, cool. Thanks each for checking it out. Uh, my Age Podcast, paypal.me slash myagepodcast if you want to donate to the cause. Uh, just the worst podcast on podcast apps of choice, Spotify, um, whatever else you got to listen to podcasts with. Um, I hope you're surviving the winter or the fucking hot summer that's happening at the moment up up in nor- up in the north. Well, in the US anyhow. Um, I guess that's about it. Cool. Take it easy. Cheers. Oh, actually, before I go, um, she will never listen to this, but I'd like to say to anyhow, big thanks to Nicole, uh, who at this moment is sitting in the other room looking after Cody, who is running amok but really sick but still running amok. Um, yeah, cool. Cheers. Take care. Everybody talking to their pockets Everybody wants a box of chocolates And the long stem rose Everybody knows Everybody knows that you love me, baby Everybody knows that you really do But there were so many people you just had to meet without your clothes And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it on top of Calvary uh, to the beach of 
Everybody knows it's coming upon. Take one last look at this sacred heart before it blows. And everybody knows. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Everybody Ever.